Welcome to the Damascus Road Podcast. On the road to Damascus, Paul had a radical encounter with Jesus and his life was changed forever. That is what we hope and pray for here. Now, on to this week's episode. As I look around the room, I love seeing all the faces of all you wonderful people. Uh, admittedly, uh, there are a lot of people in this room that I've known for many years. My parents are here, so my entire life. My wife for a long time, Brad, Lacey, Ryan, we've went to college together. People that have been around DR for a long time, I know you. And then there's a bunch of you that I don't know all that well yet. But that's okay. If we haven't gotten a chance to really get to know each other yet, I'm going to let you in on one of the worst kept secrets about myself. I love music. You might think, oh, that's nice. I like music too. <laughs> you, you do not understand. I love listening to music. I love playing music. I love learning about bands and their histories, the stories behind songs, why albums are ordered in the way that they are ordered, uh, how an album was made, why it was made. I love reading the liner notes of my albums. I devour biographies. I immerse myself into documentaries. My dad and I are planning on watching one this afternoon. And when I decide to go all in on an artist, there is literally no limit to the information I can absorb about them. I don't ever claim to know it all, but I do like to think I know a lot about music. And I've been known to offer a few fun tidbits about songs or artists, whether you've asked me for one or not. My encyclopedic, or wikipedic, I guess maybe, knowledge of music has even become a bit of a running joke around the office at work. Coworker, coworkers often try to stump me. About a year ago, when I walked into my coworker Paul's office, he had the radio on on his computer just like he normally does. And as I dropped a work order off on his desk, he uh, turned up the radio and said, hey Dave, what song is this? And he was so sure he had me. I turned to him and I said verbatim, Paul, this is Heavy by Collective Soul. It's on the second track on their fourth album, Dosage, which was released on February 9th, 1999 on Atlantic Records. <laughs> his eyes got really wide. And he could only simply muster a, how? <laughs> I very quickly did have to admit to him that he just so happened to ask me about a song by one of my favorite bands, by my favorite, on my favorite album, by that band. So it, it was still, you know, I impressed him, but I, I knew that. Um, <laughs> And I have for a while. Um, but it doesn't change the fact that I knew all that information. And I have spent the last 25 years knowing that information. That album turns 25 this coming Friday. And that's more information that I know. Um, it's just a taste of all the countless bits of rock and roll trivia that are stored up in my crazy little brain. However, I've noticed something recently. And that what I've noticed is that I don't remember the new little tidbits as much as I used to. Now you might say, sure Dave, you're old. Clearly your mind isn't what it used to be. And while my bad back, the fact that I have shingles, and the letter I got in the mail three weeks ago telling me about the benefits of cremation, <laughs> it's personalized. It says, dear David. They, it's not just dear friend. Consider cremation. It said me. Um, while those things might support the fact that I am old, um, I think there is another culprit, which is the internet. 
The internet, you say? The limitless world of knowledge and information at my fingertips is my problem? Yes. But I wanted my friend, one of my favorite comedians, Pete Holmes, explain this a little bit better for me. So I have an eye telephone. I have an eye telephone. Thank you. Which means I have Google on my phone. I'm guessing a lot of you do. I have Google on my phone now. It's ruining our lives. I don't know if you've noticed, it's ruining life. Because we know everything. But we're not a lick smarter for it. We just know. You don't know something, wait two seconds. You will know. Having Google on your phone is like having a drunk know-it-all in your pocket. <laughs> There's no time for mystery or wonder. You're just like, how do they make glass? <laughs> and you know. But the time between not knowing and knowing is so brief that knowing feels exactly like not knowing. So life is meaningless. <laughs> I've literally been in bed in the morning alone, just like, where's Tom Petty from? <laughs> <sighs> but I feel nothing because there was no time to not know listen to me there was a time and I don't mean to get all Andy Rooney on you <laughs> but there was a time that if you didn't know where Tom Petty was from you just didn't know <laughs> and you felt that yearning and that deficit in your being and you'd go around and ask actual people <laughs> like, where's Tom Petty from? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. And now I'm impregnated with wonder. And then they go and ask people. Until one fateful day, you see a girl wearing a Heartbreakers t-shirt. You rush up to her and you're like, hey, where's Tom Petty from? And she tells you, Florida. And a wave of endorphins and pleasure and meaning would wash over you. And you felt something. And that's how you met your wife. You understand? <laughs> Your wedding song was Refugee. <laughs> now, first of all, Pete didn't need to wander around for years wondering where Tom Petty was from. I could have told him a long time ago that he was from Florida. <laughs> Secondly, I think Pete is right. The internet, Google, our smartphones, have fundamentally changed our relationship with information and knowledge. Relatively new artists that I like and that I've come to love over the years, Vampire Weekend, The National, Maggie Rogers, Viva Doobie, Cold War Kids. I couldn't for the life of me tell you where they're from or when their first album came out, even though I know I have looked up that information. I can wonder without a sense of wonder. The internet has trained my brain that I can go from not knowing to knowing back to not knowing because I can always just look it up again. I can just say, hey Siri, where's Phoebe Bridgers from? And she'll tell me that she was born in Pasadena and I can move on. But I can't go back to the way that I used to cultivate my vast rock wisdom. We can't go back to the days before smartphones and the interconnectedness of everything. The internet is an integral part of all our lives. It's how the world works. It's how we all get information now. The internet has changed how we get our news, how we connect with each other, how we find love, how we solve our problems, and how we know. This is a world that many of you in this room were born into and have known nothing else. I imagine a world without everything at your fingertips is something that seems about as foreign to you as the Stone Age. 
For those of us who are a bit older and remember the pre-internet days, yes, there were pre-internet days, we have grown and adapted as the internet has grown and expanded, and our relationship to information has changed so gradually that we probably haven't even noticed that it has happened until a delightful stand-up comedian comes and points it out to us all. Pete Holmes said, we're not a lick smarter for knowing everything. But I'd amend that statement and say that we are not a lick wiser in the information age. Our culture tells us that information is knowledge and knowledge is wisdom. But is all information wisdom? Does simply knowing make us wise? The continuous rise of disinformation campaigns, conspiracy theories, and fake news certainly begs to differ. Ideas can spread due to their packaging and their appeal rather than their veracity and their substance. But how are we able to sort through all of it and find what is good and true and wise? Is the internet really ruining our lives like P. Holmes says it is, or is, is it just the way we are using it? And what does the Bible have to say about wisdom, and why should we care? Can a book written 2,000 years ago with no concept or forethought of the internet really guide us through the ins and outs of dealing with this constant barrage of information that we have at our fingertips? How does all this information expect, impact our spiritual lives and our journey with God? Are we being formed by our phones, or are we being formed by Jesus? Today, as we kick off our new series, Welcome to the Internet, we're going to say, Hey Siri, and start asking tough questions about our relationship to technology and how the Bible can help us find wisdom in this digital age. Now, as I look at my phone, uh, did anybody else's iPhone, Apple Watch, or iPad light up when I just said, hey, Siri? Because mine sure did. And I, I don't want to leave out any of you Android users. Okay, Google um, can do that. And Cortana's still not a thing, right? That was just on the Windows phones that died out. Yeah, I, I, I'll leave her in the past. Um, I definitely felt Siri activate on my wrist, on my phone, I saw it, and on my iPad. I actually had to turn her off because as I was practicing this message, she kept lighting up on my, I'm like, and I had to like put my screen to sleep to get her to go away. It was, it was a nightmare. Um, so while we have Siri's attention, let's ask her a question. Siri, what is wisdom? When asked, Siri pulls up the Wikipedia page for wisdom, and she gets a little philosophical on us. Siri says, wisdom is a deep understanding or knowledge of a subject. Wisdom, sapience, or sagacity is the ability to contemplate and act productive, productively using knowledge, experience, understanding, common sense, and insight. So wisdom is not only something we gain with experience. Wisdom is putting our understanding to use. When we understand something, it is often associated with our knowledge. So think about it this way. At one point in our lives, we have all learned that a stove is hot. If you're a parent or an older sibling, you've had to teach your kids or maybe younger siblings this lesson as well. And now they have that knowledge. So our thinking goes like this. We know that a stove is hot. We know that something hot will burn us and hurt us. So our wisdom comes in when we make the use of our understanding and experience with that hot stove and decide not to touch it. And for all the good that the internet does, all the interconnectedness, all the information that is at our hands, I think it sometimes feels like a hot stove, one where we constantly reach out to the same burners over and over again without learning a lesson. We want quick knowledge to pass for wisdom, and we're told by our culture that it can, but is that how it works when it comes to God? 
In his book, Following Jesus in a Digital, in a digital Age, author Jason Thacker puts it this way. Many of the digital tools we use each day are designed to make our lives easier or more efficient, but they regularly fail to push us towards greater discernment and wisdom. Wisdom is not an instant or efficient, wisdom is not instant or efficient, especially in the digital age. But we take these fancy, powerful rectangles that so easily fit in our pockets and we defer to them first, being formed and discipled by the first page of Google results not Jesus. Thacker continues, when faced with immediate challenges, we tend to clamor for new tips, tricks, tools, and apps to solve the very problems brought on by the technology itself in the name of efficiency rather than slowing and seeking wisdom. I didn't fill my brain with music trivia just by accident. I searched it out, I learned it, and I spent time committing it to memory. In the same way, I can't have intimate knowledge of Jesus by just reading a Wikipedia page or listening to a podcast. I must spend time with him, reading and digesting his words, feeling his presence and his love. And that is not done with a quick Google search. Wisdom and knowledge of God and his son is cultivated over time and is something to be pursued above all and cherished. And I don't want to come off all old man yelling at cloud on you, but um, I, don't want to, I want to make you think that the internet is an entirely bad place and there's no worthwhile information you can access there. There are great things about the information that is available to us. It did a lot, I did a lot of Googling while preparing for this message. It's what led me to finding excerpts from the book Following Jesus in a Digital Age. But I also spent time in silence, in prayer, centering myself, asking God to allow the Holy Spirit to guide me, to open my heart to its moving, and asking to be led to what God wanted to say through me this morning. That is not the easy way. That is not the way of the immediate. It takes slowing and intention. And Jesus himself preached and practiced this heavenly wisdom, a way of looking at life and a way of living that seems backwards to the world, so if the world is adamant about constantly pushing its knowledge and into our lives, maybe, just maybe, we should push back against that a little bit. To overcome our tendencies towards greater efficiency and to cultivate a life of wisdom, we not only need to see how technology is shaping how we view ourselves and the people around us, but how also how technology is designed in ways that easily give way to division and ratchet up tension, both in our lives and among others. And scripture helps center us back on God and it helps ease that tension that we feel there, both individually and as a community. Despite the wide variety of people that we have in this room this morning, and we probably all have different varying opinions on all different topics, we all decide to come here this morning as a community. We come together every Sunday to reset, to refocus, to re-engage our souls with our Lord together. We hear messages, we reflect, we sing worship songs together, we pray all in an effort to draw a little bit closer to God's wisdom. And there's a whole book of the Bible dedicated to God's wisdom for us, and it's called Proverbs. Verse after verse and chapter after chapter in Proverbs, it guides us through the questions that we all feel, the tension we all feel in this life as humans. That of our values, our moral behavior, the meaning of life, the right ways to act, our posture towards God, and it gives us all that wisdom from God's perspective. 
The very beginning of Proverbs not only sets the stage for the rest of the book itself, but also for the wisdom we can gain from the Bible as a whole. These are the Proverbs of Solomon, David's son, king of Israel. Their purpose is to teach people wisdom and discipline, to help them understand the insights of the wise. Their purpose is to teach people to live disciplined and successful lives, to help them do what is right, just, and fair. These Proverbs will give insight to the simple, knowledge and discernment to the young. Let the wise listen to these Proverbs and become even wiser. Let those with understanding receive guidance. By exploring the meaning in these Proverbs and parables, the words of the wise and their riddles. Fear of the Lord is the foundation of true knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and discipline. This is a curated, true, God-honoring wisdom, not just an avalanche of information that may or may not be helpful at all. Studying God's word in Proverbs and throughout the Bible will help guide our focus back to God first before anything else. And reading our Bibles, memorizing scripture, prayer, these are all good practices to get God's wisdom into our souls and minds. But wisdom comes from knowing Jesus and having a relationship with him because Jesus himself is the wisdom of God. Yes, he himself, not just his words or his actions. But to those called by God to salvation, both Jews and Gentiles, Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. God has united you with Christ Jesus for our benefit. God made him to be wisdom itself. In him lie all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And Jesus actually even refers to himself this way in Luke. This is what God in his wisdom, that's Jesus referring to himself, said about you. I will send prophets and apostles to them, but they will kill some and persecute the others. Through wisdom, through a real relationship with Jesus, we can cultivate a biblical worldview that helps us see through the allure of our modern culture and the technology to the core problems that we face. By seeing technology as more than just a simple tool that we use, we can begin to see the patterns and habits that are being formed in us as we seek to reorient our lives with godly wisdom. This involves understanding how technology is discipling or shaping us, including how we not only view ourselves, but also our neighbors who were all created in God's likeness. Every day we are being transformed one way or the other, towards the ways of the world or towards the ways of Jesus. The world tells us that we don't need Jesus, that we can tackle anything on our own, that every, everything the world has to offer is just as good or even better. But Paul warns us, otherwise in Romans. Don't copy the behavior and the customs of the world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. I make choices every day where I choose to seek the wisdom of the internet before I seek God. Four and a half years ago at my current job, I had my own, for four, four and a half years, I had my own office. It was great, I loved having my own office. But back in July, my boss rearranged some things on my team, and now I share an office with two other people. And one of them chews gum louder than anything I have ever heard in my entire life. (laughs) And chewing sounds have always kind of been a pet peeve of mine, but man, this takes it to a whole other level. Like whatever you may be imagining in your mind right now about the loudest gum chewing you've ever heard, not even close. 
I can't tell you how many times I've Googled some sort of variation of the question, how do I passively but aggressively tell someone they chew too loud? And just so you know, Google found 12.9 million results on the topic. But I am the type of guy who I don't really want to cause friction. I don't want to ruffle any feathers. So I've recently, instead of Googling uh, answers to my problem, I've tried to decide to do something different. While there may be some sense that yes, my coworker may not know how loud they are when they chew, I've come to the conclusion that this is a me problem and not a them problem. So I've been taking a minute or two every morning when I pull into my parking spot at work before I go in to ask God for help, to ask him for the strength to get through the day, for the chewing to not bother me, and to have the grace and love for my coworker that I need to have for them and not the frustration or the annoyance. I still have a long way to go, though I think it has maybe gotten a little bit better because of this. Um, Google might have been able to give me some practical tips, but Google was never going to change my heart. I need God's strength and God's wisdom, the wisdom that is Jesus himself in my life to make the best of the situation that I am in. My feelings are not going to magically change overnight. I'm probably going to struggle with being annoyed by chewing noises for the rest of my life. But I hope I've put myself on a trajectory to at least get a little better with this, thanks to God's help in changing me from the inside out. Wisdom calls us to take the long view rather than trying to seek the immediate reward or gratification that we find on the internet. As Ecclesiastes 9.17 says, better to hear the quiet words of a wise person than the shouts of a foolish king. The internet is loud and chaotic. The word of God is often quiet and subtle. Biblical wisdom may not be in vogue or terribly popular in our culture today, but it is essential to us followers of Jesus and we should be pursuing it with all our hearts. True wisdom is the revelation of God about himself. Jesus said that he is the way, the truth, and the life. If we want to know wisdom and truth, we need to know Jesus. The Spirit of God allows you to see and begin to understand the mysteries of his grace and in turn extend that grace to others. And putting a priority on spending time with God is a must, but we also, I don't think any of us want to completely disconnect from the internet. We don't want to go off the grid and start living in a cabin in the woods, right? Yeah, I see people shaking their heads back there. Yep, I don't want to do it either. So we need to do something. We need to find things that we can practically do to help balance this out in our lives. What can we do to help deal, us deal with the age of information in a way that is healthy and honoring to God? I want to take a look at four things and some corresponding verses from Proverbs, some little snack-sized bits of wisdom for you to help guide us through this. The first thing we can do is to be sure to listen to various perspectives. We need to value God's perspective first and foremost, but the internet can be an echo chamber if we allow it to be. Proverbs 18:17 says, first to speak in court sounds right until the cross-examination begins. This reminds us that people can often make a compelling case for just about anything, but when given closer consideration and examination, it may no longer be as compelling and it might just completely fall apart. More simply put, we need to not believe everything at a first glance, or as I was told when I was growing up, don't believe everything you read. 
The problem is the internet makes it really easy to get all our information from a single source or a single perspective. A story may link to other stories or refer to authors who agree with the person writing that story without any discussion of their opponents or differing views, or maybe those opponents or differing views are dismissed very, very quickly or misrepresented. When we only hear one side of a story and don't seek out those who might critique or counter what is being said, we become susceptible to believing things that might not be true, which leads directly into the second thing we do, which is check for confirmation bias. Two times in Proverbs, both in 1412 and 1625, there are identical verses which say there is a path before each person that seems right, but it ends in death. Well, that may not seem like it directly is related to the information that we're constantly getting from the internet, is a reminder that we often want to think or believe that something is true and good, but it can actually be wrong and destructive. I think we would all agree that while we generally think of ourselves as cool, logical, rational people, we're often led more by our feelings and emotions, and that may cloud our judgment. Our emotions and desires can lead us to confirmation bias where we believe something that we want to be true rather than something that is true. Polarizing 24-hour news channels are popular because they create this echo chamber that are telling people what they want to hear and they don't need to go anywhere else. Same can be said for so tightly curating your Facebook, your Instagram, your Reddit uh, feeds or your news feeds, whatever you have, that we're only seeing and hearing the things that we want to see and hear. Proverbs 14, 18 says, the prudent understand where they are going, but fools deceive themselves. So let's examine our hearts and our feeds to make sure we aren't deceiving ourselves. Let's be wise people who check for confirmation bias as we ponder the ideas that we are being presented with. The third thing we can do is seek understanding more than sharing our own thoughts. Proverbs 18.2 says, fools have no interest in understanding. They only want to air their own opinions. I'm going to read that one again. Fools have no interest in understanding. They only want to air their own opinions. I don't think I've ever read or share, haven't shared anything this morning or read another verse in the Bible that more accurately describes the state of the internet to me than this verse right here. Because it, it sure seems to sum it up, doesn't it? Foolish people continue, continually tell you what they think or what you should think, but that is obviously not wisdom. The wise seek uh, out understanding regularly and ask questions as opposed to just spouting off thoughts. I've heard it said for decades that most conversations are just you waiting for your turn to talk. And the great thing about the internet, with heavy sarcasm on the word great there, is that we never have to wait for our turn. With a single post or a comment, it can always be our turn and we can always be right. There is no listening, there's no trying to understand those we are engaging with, but we are, be uh, yeah. but we are better when we consider how we listen, who we listen to, and how we talk and communicate. We should be careful to make sure we aren't the type of people who constantly push our own ideas and agendas onto other people. That's not to say we should be ashamed of what we believe or lack confidence in it, but rather to, it is important to walk in humility, not prideful arrogance. We can be confident and kind. We can peacefully exchange ideas with others who have differing opinions without feeling threatened or attacked. 
And finally, what makes all of this possible is if we seek Jesus first. It all starts and stops with God. Proverbs 9.10 tells us, Fear of the Lord is the foundation of wisdom. Knowledge of the Holy One results in good judgment. This mirrors Proverbs 1.7, which I read a little bit earlier. Fear of the Lord, it's not about being afraid. It's about knowing God and having a proper perspective of him in our lives. God is greater and higher above us, and therefore we act accordingly. We need to trust God, not ourselves. This means comparing the information we see with the truths that we read in the Bible. It also means that our hope and trust in God is more than anything we might read about. It means seeking out God and God's wisdom before seeking out the world's wisdom. I imagine many of us keep our phones by our bedside. They're great alarm clocks, right? Um, But that makes it really easy to grab it first thing in the morning and start doom scrolling. What if the first thing we did when we woke up was reach for our Bibles? What if the first thing we put into our brains was God's truth before we're bombarded by all the internet-y things that we come into contact with? I tend to have the impulse to check my email first thing in the morning, and shockingly, there's rarely everything, anything super important there at 5 a.m. One thing I do uh, and have done is I sign up for a daily Bible verse to be sent to my email every day. The email always comes overnight while I'm sleeping, so it's always there waiting for me regardless of what time I wake up in the morning. That way, no matter what else I do or don't do when I first get up, the first email I read every morning is from the Word of God. I make the intentional decision to read that email first so I'm getting a little bit of God's truth into my mind and in my soul first thing in the morning. I know a lot of us use the Bible app for reading scripture. Um, They have a widget. I know on iPhone, I imagine they have it on Android as well, where you can get a daily verse um, in a widget every day too. Maybe put that on your home screen so the first time you unlock your screen every day, the first thing you're seeing is that. And if you tend to get distracted or tempted to use other apps while you're using the Bible app on your phone, put it down. Turn on Do Not Disturb. Grab a physical Bible. There's something good and beautiful about physically holding the word of God. Starting our day off right and seeking God and and our Savior Jesus first will help us see God through all the other junk that we encounter as we go on through our days. Author Brian Denner puts it this way, finding information or ideas from the internet should never become more important to us than knowing the God who sent Jesus Christ to die for our sins and to rise from the dead to bring transformation to our lives now and for all eternity. He is the truth that we must cling to and hold fast to as we navigate this world. Currently one of my favorite follows on Instagram is author and musician Andy Squires. He writes from a very transparent and uh, authentic Christian perspective. And one of his big things is embracing our humanity. Meaning, we are human. We are going to mess up. We are going to make mistakes. Yes, we need to grow and learn from the errors of our ways. But we are never going to be perfect in this life. And pretending that we are is to deny our humanity and to deny God's grace in our lives. A couple weeks ago, he posted one of his short-form essays entitled, It is Possible to Become Wise. Here's a little bit of what he had to say. One thing that the writings of Paul in the New Testament show us is that followers of Jesus Christ, more often than not, know how to really screw things up. 
As Christians, we have proven over and over, despite our claims to the contrary, that we often believe things that are not true, behave in ways that are not good, and continually act as unwise and ungracious people. Being a follower of Jesus is not an automatic cure for being an idiot. But thankfully, it is possible to become wise, to live well. It is possible to live a good life that brings wholeness to ourselves. So where do we start? What should our posture be? It's a mistake to think that it is impossible to really know what God desires for us human beings. As a matter of our survival, we must refute this modern tendency. Christian distinctions do exist, but we do not want to uphold them arrogantly. We are to be crushed by them and formed by them. We must bear the orthodoxy of belief with fear and trembling. We hold fast to the claims of Christ and teachings of the apostles, but with great humility. We must bow low and not condescend towards our neighbors. If your life is a mess, fear not. The Spirit is laboring to bring you into the image of Christ's likeness. We can work alongside the person of the Holy Spirit and embrace being people of no reputation. We do not have a leg up on anyone. In fact, we are quite helpless. We are simply those who call on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And here is where we begin and where we remain while becoming people who are able to be true and gracious and never smug. The internet makes the world a wonderful and simultaneously difficult place to navigate. There are times we are going to be enchanted by and fall for the wisdom of the world and the constant bombardment of everything on the interwebs. It will happen. We are human and we are imperfect. But if we are committed to being formed by Jesus first, we will find it easier to return to God's wisdom and rest in his grace. May we be people who call on God to help us sift through the noise and distraction to say, hey, Jesus, first, when we need to the truth we so desperately are all looking for. Please pray with me. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for your wisdom. I thank you for sending your son, Jesus, that he is the wisdom that we need in our lives, that you give us the Bible, that you give us scripture, that we can go to and we can internalize um, what you say is good and true. Um, just ask as we uh, go about our weeks, may we just uh, keep you on the forefront of our minds. May we um, practice good habits and create um, good habits that uh, we go to you first uh, to rest in your love and your wisdom before uh, anything else. We pray this all in your name. Amen. Thank you for joining the Damascus Road podcast. Our mission is to follow Jesus together by being with God, loving everyone, transforming people, developing leaders, growing new ministries, and changing the world. You can find out more about us online at damascusroadtucson.com.